So if you would turn to James chapter 3, as we look at his word this morning in James chapter 3, we'll begin reading in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that is not not only always true, but always real and relevant to our lives. And so, Lord, we ask that you would speak and that you would help us to hear you for our specific situation, for our specific needs this morning. There's no way I could possibly hit everyone today, but you can. And Lord, perhaps there's some that are just the cares of this world or, or overwhelming that you would help us to lay things down before you this morning. We think of just that request of, of continuing to move forward in the children's ministry and then with the youth who are dealing, uh, we're dealing with things that we are not even recognizing at times, that we are not realizing the intensity. And oftentimes we're not helping. Lord, we think of that help that is needed by those all around this world, and and we think of the uh, Operation Christmas Child and the boxes that are here this morning right here. We just ask that your blessing would be upon this to be a blessing, that you would go before these boxes ever get there and and when they're there and, and after the people who bring them leave. In these areas that many have been hit so much harder than even what we know here in the United States. This may be the only bright spot, but may it not just be that which is temporary or temporal, but eternal. In the blessing as they have the, the... the gospel tracks there is they have the opportunities to share the good news about you. May there be many blessed for all eternity in a relationship with you, Jesus. And it is before you that we come this morning recognizing that you do want to speak to us, so do that. Beyond anything I can say, speak, Lord. For your servants are listening. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 How many of you have things going on in your life right now, whether personally, with your family, or at work, that you could use some help in knowing what to do or what to say? Let's just see the hands. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much all of us, right? There's pretty much all of us running, and if it's not right now, just wait a few days, right? 
But it's a good thing to want wisdom. In fact, Proverbs 4, verse 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. In fact, today's message is part 3 of really verses 17 and 18 in chapter 3 here of James. We're getting to part 3 of what the characteristics of God's wisdom are that will lead us to walk in God's will. And we've talked about over the time of these, uh, the other two messages is sometimes we're making decisions, sometimes we're going directions that, uh, let's face it, may seem right, but they're not based fully on the wisdom of God. We've been clouded with things that maybe sound spiritual or, or things that sound good, but they're not from heaven. They're really here from earth. And therefore, I think what happens to us is sometimes we don't even recognize that, that we are just thinking a certain way. We are making certain decisions in our life based on things that we've heard maybe our whole life. There's just certain little phrases, certain things that we're going on. We've talked about some of them, you know, God helps them to help themselves and not going to give you more than a handle and all that kind of stuff. But there's all kinds of things out there like I'm head over heels. Let's just think about a few phrases. I'm head over heels about something or someone. I'm looking around. Let me just check. Everyone here is head over heels. Just saying, you know, and when your heels are over your head, it's not usually a good thing. You know, do we actually think about it? I mean, that's that's a simple one. Or we make a decision about something that it's a piece of cake. So I I got this. You know, that's how our decision. Wisdom is I got this because it's a piece of cake. Well, You know, this phrase was before the instant cake mixes, and I don't think a piece of cake is easy to make from scratch, let alone is it easy to eat. We just went to a birthday party. I decided not to have cake. I tried a a cupcake, which really wasn't any easier to eat. How about a piece of cookie? That would have been much easier. That's just, you know, do we think through these things? Now, I realize both of those are silly examples, but this one, which still might be on the verge of that is one that sometimes we can live our life by when life gives you lemons make lemonade all right i I mean we know the general idea is it has to do with your outlook uh in life matters and that life is what you make it but depending on what life gives you for example if life just gives you lemons you really can only make lemon juice I, I just deal with reality here because you got to have sugar. You better have sugar and lemonade if you're going to serve me lemonade, right? Otherwise, it's just lemon juice. It doesn't really work. Now, I, I know that kind of sounds silly, but I want you to follow with me on this. And here's the thing. Sometimes life does not give us what we need to be able to make something good out of it. It's just bad. But God can give us everything we need to make life sweeter. And the problem with this phrase is that it depends upon us to use what we got to try to make life sweeter, that it's our effort that's going to do this and things are going to be better. And the reality is so many times it has nothing to do. The wisdom of God is he's got everything we need and he is the one that does the work in us, not something we mix up our own lives and try to fix 
we've got to get that we, we, we are living our life off of things that sometimes sound good, sound right, even are encouraging, but they're not the wisdom that comes from heaven. So where do we turn to when we got problems? Uh, when we're dealing with future decisions, when we say, well, we turn to God. Yes, but how do you know when you're turning to God that you're receiving wisdom that is actually from God? Especially if, if you look at the word and, and there's not something specifically that dictates specific instructions of what you're supposed to do in this situation. I know some Christians, if, they, if God doesn't specifically say specifically what I have to do right here, right now, then I just decide what's right. You know, I'll try to do the right thing. But God does direct us. It may not be specific, but there is wisdom, special wisdom for every situation, for every question that comes up through God's general principles in his word that deal with his will for our lives. In fact, that's what James chapter 3 verse 17 is about here, is a description, is describing what God's wisdom looks like. How do you know you not only have received wisdom that's from God, but how do you know that you are proceeding on the right path, that you are making the right, going the right direction? You don't have something specific, but you do have this, and this is part of it. The wisdom that comes from God is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. If it's not those things, it's not wisdom from God, and it will not lead you to the will of God. God has spoken for your situation. He has. It's just we got to choose whether we want to listen to all of God's word or just look for certain parts. So, like I said, this is part three, so we need to deal with the four remaining elements today. And that's four, that's a lot to cover, but we're going to try to move through this. Let's embrace the wisdom from God that is full of mercy. That's the next one. We've seen uh, many of the attributes in verse 17 here throughout the word and other places. Uh, they're, gods, they're godly, they're gods. Uh, the Beatitudes uh, mention many of these like this one. Blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy. You know, even here in James chapter 3 and verse 14 is if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts do not boast about it or deny the truth such wisdom does not come down from heaven but is earthly and spiritual of the devil for where there you have envy and selfish ambition there you'll find disorder and every evil practice wisdom from god is wisdom that is full of mercy meaning god's love that is a compassion in action not merely this attitude or this, this feeling you have towards someone, but an action towards them, overflowing in love that actively serves them. Even those who are suffering over something that has been their own fault and their own, they've caused it themselves. Is still, mercy is shown. In fact, it, it's ironic that this New Testament, practical, almost proverbial book of James still comes down to the same thing that so many things come down to with the word of God, and that is love. 
In James chapter 2 earlier in verse 8, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by a law as lawbreakers. There is a difference between the wisdom of heaven and the wisdom of hell. And can't we see, can't we understand that Satan revels in propagating a logical wisdom that lacks mercy, grace, forgiveness, and love. Satan loves to give good-sounding, logical wisdom as long as we can not have mercy, grace, forgiveness, and love. There's all kinds of, of human, not heavenly wisdom being thrown around regarding relationships, especially as it deals with marriages, marriage relationships. People like to say the same thing, these reasons you hear over and over again. Uh, like the pers- person says, you know what, we've, I'm leaving my spouse because we've, we've just grown apart. We've drifted away. We've lost love for one another. Of course, to God, Love isn't something you fall into any more than you fall out of. Love is a choice. Love is a commitment that you've made. But I know in reality we say, but I still don't have the love that I, I don't feel like I have the love. I had. You know what? That can be between us and God. Revelation says you have left, you have lost your first love. But when he's talking in his word about you've lost your first love, he doesn't say, well, that's okay. Go ahead and leave God. You've lost the love. Just that's it. No. When he says you've lost the love, that means, hey, it's on you. And you need to get it back. You need to get it right. Not go ahead and just forget it, which is what so many so-called Christian friends are out there taking sides and appealing to someone's self-focus and flesh as they tell people, yeah, just give up, just get out of that. To not persevere, don't press on, just leave it all behind, leave them behind, get away. Change your circumstance without ever considering maybe I'm the one that needs to change. Maybe there's something God's trying to do in me, let alone trying to work it out together in a sense that we're on the same team and we're not enemies here. We don't do that. Are you listening to someone who's given you wisdom that doesn't have unconditional love for your spouse like you should? Are you listening to someone who's given you wisdom that never made a commitment before God towards this person that they have to answer to? Oh, that's easy for them to give you advice. It's easy for them to invite you to just walk away. They've not invested years They've not made vows. They don't have other family to think about. And they don't have the whole story that God knows about of what's going on. And they've not tried to be the peacemaker. Instead, just quit. But they don't have to live then with the pain. They don't have to live with the sense of loss, the sense of a failure for some. They don't have to live with the losing sleep over the decision. They don't have to deal with whether it's legal things or loneliness. They don't have to deal with any of this. It's easy for them just to give the wisdom that sounds good. 
You know, we've talked about it before. It's something similar to this. We've talked about God wants you happy thing. Who are we really trusting? Are we really trusting God's wisdom in our situation that is full of mercy? I know we can talk about, and there's more, much more that could be talked about this whole that we've grown apart thing, but here's the thing. It, it boil it down to this as well. No matter how you may feel, how strong your feelings may be, if you are married, God still sees you as one. He doesn't see you separate. He doesn't see you the way perhaps you're seeing it. And oftentimes that loss happens in our hearts hearts because we've been hardened whether it be through anger or hurt or bitterness resentment and i know that some say i don't feel any of that that's because for some they've gotten past that meaning they've just become numb not gotten over it not gotten it under the blood of christ just gotten numb our marriages are missing out on the will of god because we're missing out on the wisdom that is full of mercy Let's face it, it's not just marriage relationships, it's most relationships. Relationships that we have to one another, relationships that we have to one another even within a family of God. We need more than just a cup of mercy. We need a barrel every day, which is actually less than what God gives us. He gives us a whole lot more than a barrel every day, right? Because even if it doesn't apply to you regarding marriage, it's about relationships. Are we following a wisdom that is from heaven that's full of mercy, making decisions not based on divisiveness or disdain or, or disagreement? Are we standing up for the truth? And when we're doing that, is we standing up for that which is biblically absolute, agreed upon truth and not a preference or a conviction? And even in that, are we standing up for the whole truth of the word of God? Because there are those who can point to a verse, and yet I can point to a verse too. Not that it disagrees with you. I can point to a verse that shows that you are being unmerciful in that relationship and the way you're handling that, that you're not being Christ-like. I know sometimes the issue just is so big and, and the person that you're dealing with is so bad that this is just one of those cases they don't deserve it. But that's the very definition of mercy. That's the very definition of mercy is that it is given to those who do not deserve it. That's what mercy is. We don't deserve it. We've all sinned. We read in Romans chapter 3 over and over. Who is it? No, no one righteous. No one good. All have sinned. All have fallen. All. Whether someone is good or bad, whether someone is better or worse than we are, that is not the way God sees it. He sees us all the same. The same amount of nails were driven through Jesus on the cross for my sins as it were for anybody else's sin. The same nails went through. I mean, even Jesus said to bless those who persecute us. Even Jesus in Luke chapter 6, you see on the screen here, but to who, 
that you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, and bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. This is his word as well that we are to live. I think about David. King Saul went after David for no real good reason. Tried to kill him numerous times and then just hunted him down. And in the process of hunting him down, David had numerous opportunities to take out King Saul. But he didn't. He showed him mercy. He could have been right or in doing whatever. In fact, not that he, only did David show mercy to King Saul. He made sure all his men were thinking the same way. Listen, don't you dare. In fact, later on, things happened where somebody said or did something and David took that person out. Show mercy. It doesn't make sense. I'm sure his men didn't think it made sense, but you show mercy to this bad king. Show mercy to this mad man. Show mercy to this one who really is not on God's side. Show mercy to this enemy bent on destroying him. In the wisdom that we need to make certain decisions where things seem like it's not fair, it's not right to show mercy to certain people that who are not fair and are not right, God still offers mercy. And grace, not only to them, but to us. With the understanding that there is coming a day when the judgment will be final and the door will be closed forever. Let's move on. We need to keep uh, with, let's embrace the wisdom of God that produces good fruit. You know, we live in the information age, right? Bloated with all kinds of knowledge about this and that. Pretty much come anything you want to know. Actually, things you don't want to know. There's half-truths. There's whole lives out there, depending on what's going on. And we live in this world that is filled with fountains of knowledge. But we have empty wells of wisdom. The world will tell you that all you got to do is just get more knowledge about something, more and more knowledge, and then you'll be able to face the situation. Then you'll be able to know what to do if you just have more knowledge. But the fact is, even the greatest experts on certain things, let's say like we were talking about marriages earlier, you read some of those greatest and you find out with their own lives, they struggle just like the rest of us. In fact, even more so sometimes, even though they got all the knowledge, it's not enough. Now, Christians, we would say, hey, well, but we've got truth. We don't just got another, we got the truth right here in the Word of God. And unfortunately, it makes us prideful at times, puffed up, feeling how spiritual we are based on the amount of Bible information we have, even Bible information recently that we've learned that we never knew before. The problem is that our spirituality it has become shallow. Now, it's wide. We, we've been working on getting our, our Christianity wide with all kinds of knowledge, but it has become shallow. Because we have not gone deep in application of God's word, which is what truly makes us Christians, not what just is in our head, but the fruit that comes from this. In fact, verse 13 in our passage in James 3, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that come from Wisdom, wisdom from God is good fruit, produces good fruit. 
God's wisdom is not just about orthodoxy. It is about orthopraxy. It is about, in a sense, to say that you can be doctrinally right and yet morally and spiritually wrong, especially when the root of that wisdom does not produce fruit in our life, good fruit. Someone said, I was reading someone who said that, uh, kind of playing off of the other things in the word that, that wisdom without works is dead. They said, wisdom without works is dead. But you know what? I think wisdom without works is not wisdom at all. Wisdom without works doesn't work. In fact, really, wisdom, we could say, goes beyond interpretation of the word of God to application of God's word. Wisdom goes beyond information from God's word to transformation through God's spirit. So it should be happening in our lives. We think of good based on how much we know instead of how much we show of Christ in our life. Wisdom that works is not just practical. It is put into practice. Is that's what's happening with the things, the decisions you're making and the directions you're going and what's going on. You're going by God's wisdom. Is it leading to good fruit? Is that what's growing out of the decisions? Or And it becomes difficult because we've got this religious churchianity standard that thinks that I'm living my best life for God by not doing anything bad. How many times do we think that we are doing the right thing because we're not doing the wrong thing? Well, I'm doing the right thing because why? Well, because I'm not doing the wrong thing. Or that a particular decision that we made is wise because it doesn't directly contradict God's word. Well, it doesn't go against what God's word says. Yeah, but does it go with what God's word says? Are we discerning God's will that needs to go beyond what we do to what, or what we don't do to go to a point of what we should be doing? God's wisdom should lead us to something more, to fruit coming out of our lives, to that which is not just negative, but that which is positive, that which is what God wants. Are we walking in a wisdom that produces good fruit or just living in a way that does not produce bad fruit? Let me say this again. I want you to think about it. Are we walking in a way that produces good fruit or just living in a way that does not produce bad fruit? See, the wisdom of God is not about avoiding bad fruit. The wisdom of God and his will is about good fruit in our lives. Number three. Let's embrace the third one. Here is the wisdom of God that is impartial. Now, this word is used really just here. There's some par- uh, ways this word has been put in the negative and other places. And, and so some versions will have it nuanced in different ways. And probably perhaps the best nuance to look at this is impartial or more correctly without partiality. It's that which is used in James 2 and talking about not showing favoritism, not you know being impartial as it deals with rich and poor, but just people in general. Even the fact that God, as Romans says, is there is no partiality with God. So that means that wisdom that comes from God will be impartial. It will not show partiality. Wisdom that comes from God will not have favoritism. It will not be biased. 
whether it's towards a friend or whether it's towards someone you agree with that has similar convictions, it can only be biased in the sense that it is interpreted by the Bible unbiasedly. This is the wisdom, not influenced by Satan, not influenced by ourselves or our flesh. Recognizing that each of us, how we grew up, where we're at, what we're listening to, what we're doing, each of us has certain leanings in our life right now. There are certain things that are, are more important to us than perhaps for other people. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that necessarily as it deals with God's word. But we recognize what those leanings are and be able to separate that from the leadings of the Holy Spirit. Our personal leanings, if it deals with God's wisdom, does not come into play. Only what comes into play is the leading of the Spirit of God according to the Word of God. And it can be worked out in a number of different ways where we miss God's wisdom. Uh, an example of this, I was talking with someone who's not in our congregation this past week. And someone told them, they said, you Christians, specifically evangelicals, are really more pro-baby than you are pro-life being concerned about all life and they were thinking about a multiple of, of inconsistencies with general attitudes and what they would say that we say and do then in a sense we show favoritism we are impar- we are and we are not impartial towards all life of course you know first off one of the ways we want to respond is well, well, well but when we're talking about a living human being that's not yet out of the womb, we are perhaps speaking up more because they can't speak for themselves. Because they can't defend themselves in the womb. And so somebody needs to do that. And yet, before we get too self-righteous about that, In that description, could it be that there are people that we seem to come off as being unconcerned about? Could it be there are people who, uh, yes, they have an actual physical voice. They can actually say something. But the reality is in their life that there is really nothing that they can do to speak or defend themselves. They, They don't have the right. They don't have the ability to speak or defend themselves in a way that they can actually be helped or even heard. Are we being consistent? Are we holding to wisdom that is impartial and applies God's word and his values in a consistent way across the board? Not picking and choosing what or who we want, but embracing all that the word of God says about each. Number four, let's... Embrace the wisdom of God that is sincere. When we look to embrace a wisdom that is sincere, meaning true, it's that is that which is the complete, unadulterated, real deal. This is it. And I recognize that in talking about this, there are some things out there that are uh, earthly wisdom that can be helpful. For example, one I've learned. Measure twice, cut once. 
Now, when I say I learned that, I didn't learn it from hearing it, right? But you eventually learn. I mean, that's good. But that's natural wisdom. We don't live our life by natural wisdom and trying to kind of manipulate that and spiritualize it. We are to live our life by supernatural wisdom. The supernatural wisdom of God that he wants to share with us. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. There is a wisdom God has for us. And no matter how good it sounds or how good something makes someone feel, the wisdom that sincerely is from God is that which is sincerely His. Not just they have a sense, they're sincere about uh, wanting to help. They're sincere about caring. It, it ultimately, we cannot be genuinely caring for someone if we are not genuinely carrying the word of God in his fullness to their situation. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8, See to it that no one takes captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. We need to embrace 100% clear wisdom of God and be on our guard for those things that are good-looking, good-sounding, counterfeits, not just worldly, but even from the devil himself. And what's ironic is that many, most Christians probably are aware of the reality of spiritual warfare with the devil. But for some reason, we become less aware or at least less armed and ready for the devil's tactics of his false wisdom that if it doesn't lead us into evil, at least it will lead us away from God's will for our lives. Are we able to recognize when the voice we're hearing is not God's? How do you recognize that? How do you know that? We know how Satan works. The Bible tells us from the very beginning in dealing with Jesus, even and not just Eve, but well, the devil dealt with Jesus. Not just inventing truth, but twisting truth that we've heard from God himself in such a way that it comes up, it sounds good, it sounds spiritual, it makes sense, even to the point where we say, well, I think I'm doing the right thing. Wisdom that comes from God needs to be the real deal, 100%. But also wisdom that comes from God should lead us to be the real deal. Those who are sincere, Meaning, not a hypocrite, not pretending to be something we're not, not acting apart, but being genuine. For example, we talked earlier about a wisdom that leads to action, to fruit, right? Well, it's possible for somebody to have a spiritual action, something they're doing, but it's really just a religious motion. Like the Pharisees looking the part, we're not sincere in how we're working this out. We look the part, but... Like the Pharisees, our heart is not in the right place. Not the right motives. Sincere means 100% made in heaven wisdom that should lead us to a sincere 100% live for heaven lifestyle. Not half and half, not partly going. And some people with that whole, that insincerity, that wisdom of the direction we go leads someone to kind of be, we often hear people talk about being on the fence, kind of like trying to live between two worlds, a foot in one and a foot in the other, or we're on the fence. 
about it, and, and, and that's not the way we God would have it. I think maybe perhaps we could think about it this way. One foot in one boat, one in the other. For a while, we can try to balance that, but it's difficult. And eventually, eventually you will fall and miss the boat completely. And I just mean that in a literal way. We end up missing the boat completely, meaning God's will for our life. Even missing God completely in all of this. The inside matching the outside, all of it matching Christ. Have a sincerity. A sincerity in what we're doing and in what direction we're going. Just uh, James has been talking about it. He said earlier in James chapter 3, with your tongue, you praise God and you curse man. That's not sincere. There's, there's no sincerity in that. You can't do both and think, well, I'm sincere on one side and, well, you know, maybe I could be better. No. It can't be both. You can't have a foot in each boat, so to speak. So what are we going to do? As we're looking to God for the present problems, for future decisions, how are you seeing him lead you? And are you seeing him? God wants to give wisdom. He said he would give it clearly, and he has And one of the ways he's given it clearly is by what he said, his his verse here, verse 17. So as you're thinking about, I just want you to think about for a moment as the worship team comes, I want you to think about for a moment these things that are up here on the screen. To think about the decisions, the direction you're taking, things that you're thinking about, what to do, how to do it, how to handle things. Are you going off of the wisdom of God? If you are, it will be pure. It will be peace-loving. It will be considerate. It will be submissive. It will be full of mercy. It will be good fruit. It will be impartial and sincere. If it is not, it is not the wisdom of God. That is not me saying it. That's the word right there. This is the wisdom that comes from heaven. Now, that's not the only part, but this is part of what the wisdom that comes from heaven is. And we need to get back on track to actually hear God and what he's trying to say to us, to work in his will in our lives, the full will that he wants to do. Father, help us in this, to turn to you in a way that is not just partially, not just what we want to hear, but to listen to what you've already said. There are decisions going on in life right now. There are things that we're thinking about. They they seem right. It's what we want to do. But if they're from you, if this is really your wisdom, then it will be all of these things, pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. And Lord, we have to admit that some of it is not. We are not there. We're missing something. Help us not to just foolishly keep trying to keep our feet in both boats. 
but to join you in yours and what it says here. Thank you, Jesus.